Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, would you do me a favor and turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to be reading verse 1, and then I'm going to go to verses 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and then I'm going to be reading verses 4 through 11. I'm going to read the whole chapter, uh, 1 through 11, sorry. And it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Again, I hear Bibles turning. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1, and then I'm going to skip down to 4 through 11. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but again, he says, but it is the same God who works all in all. That that the gifts of the Spirit, he makes extra emphasis on letting you know that it has nothing to do with you and it has everything to do with God. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. He sums it up by saying, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to only the pastors and leaders sorry that was the wrong version distributing to each one to Sam to Jonathan distributing to Mary to each one not not to the pastors and to the leaders but to Mark and to Melissa and to Rico individually as he wills hey, over the next few minutes as we continue the gifts of the spirit and the study out with the new and in with the old I want to speak to you from this idea the power gifts the power gifts come on let's pray um, dear King we exalt you and we worship you we thank you because you are the giver of gifts and Lord this isn't a religious activity that we're doing Lord where we come up here sing a couple of songs and talk about what we're gonna do as a church organization and then we hear a message that encourages us And then we go out and we live life, Lord. We believe that these are encounters with you. We believe that you are real, that you are listening to us, Lord, that you're here in this place right now. Father, that you're here with us in 2021, Lord God, but that you were with us when we were 9, 10 years old, that you've been on this journey with us, Lord, and you brought us to these moments. It's not by coincidence that we have logged on, that we have shown up, Lord, but these are words that you want to speak directly to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that our pedigree, our mistakes, our sins, even our own belief systems, Lord, that they would not limit who you are, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that as we learn these things today, Lord, that we would apply them and that you would use your church, Lord God, to be able to reach and to preach for the kingdom of God, Lord. Father, I love you and I thank you for all that you're going to do here today. It's in your beautiful, mighty name that we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? Come on, if you're expecting for God to release a word, come on, would you put your hands together for Jesus? Amen. Come on. 
Hey, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to teach a little bit because I got some content that I want to share with you. And uh, do me a favor, if you have something to take notes, with, maybe, take notes with, maybe it's your phone or something, I want you to write some stuff down because I think it's important what I got to share with you. Um, last Sunday, obviously, we, we kind of deviated for a second and we talked about um, this idea of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. But if you were here the Sunday before that um, and the Sundays prior to that, if you haven't, you can go on the website, greater.church, or you can go to YouTube and listen to the messages out with the new and in with the old. We believe that our new normal is going to go back to the very things that God has given us and empowered the church to do. And in this next season, we're going to need the gifts of the Spirit to be able to walk out everything that God wants us to do. Um, we talked about the Holy Spirit for the last, I don't know, six weeks, and then we started to get into the gifts of the Spirit. And two Sundays ago, we talked about the revelation gifts. And the revelation gifts um, have nothing to do with what God does or what God says, and it's everything about the way that God thinks. And he empowers the church through his gifts with the word of wisdom, something that's going to happen in the future that has not yet happened. The word of knowledge, something that has happened right now or that's happened in the past. And then the discerning of spirits where you're able to see the intention, the heart behind somebody. Along with being able to see spiritual things, you're able to see the intentions of people's hearts. Today, the second kind of quadrant of these three gifts of the spirit is the power gifts. So today we're going to be talking about the gift of faith. The working of miracles and the gifts of healings, which these three are the power gifts. This is what God does, and he empowers you to be able to do them. Not just to think the way that God does, and not just to speak the way that God does. The way to speak God does is through prophecy tongues and interpretations of tongues. That's going to happen next Sunday. But today we're going to be talking about the actual workings of God, the power gifts. And I'm going to break it down. We're going to start with the gifts of faith. The gift of faith. And I want you to write this down. The gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith is not, um, when, when we talk about faith, and please understand, the entire works of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're like a chain. They're, they're interdependent on each other, and they kind of link up to each other, and they kind of they move together. Sometimes it's even, I would say the word confusing to be able to define what's happening. But the actual intention, the work of the Spirit is evident and true in your life, and you'll see it. But sometimes it's hard to define them because they're interlinked, which you will see at the end of the service. Now, faith. Faith is something that's it's simple, right? We think, we understand what faith is, but faith is intricate. It has several different definitions. Like, number one, we have natural faith. I think everybody in this room has a certain level of natural faith. That's like a dude when he's going fishing. He throws his fishing line on and he has faith that he's going to catch a fish. If you've done farming or some type of gardening, you put a seed into the ground. And when you put the seed into the ground, there's faith inside of you, a natural faith that tells you, okay, this is going to develop. Something is going to come out of this. Like, a seed is going to be able to birth out of it. For the moms, I know that when you had the baby inside your belly, like you thought to yourself, yo, I, I have a baby in here, but there was a level of faith in you that understood like, okay, this child is developing correctly. Like, I know that this child is going to be healthy and this child is going to do amazing things for God. And that's faith. You have faith. It's a natural faith. And then after the natural faith, there's saving faith. Now, saving faith is when you hear the gospel of Jesus, that the Lord, that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that he lived a sinless life, that he died for our sins. Three days later, he came back from, and he took the keys from death, hell, and the grave. And not only did he bring us eternal life, but he gave us the keys to the kingdom. This is the gospel. This is what belief. This is the full gospel, that it doesn't just end when Jesus 
came back, and that's it. It's over. But that he actually has a mission for us as a church. John chapter 7, verses 38 through 39, he says, out of your belly, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He told the disciples, Acts 1.8, I want you to go and wait, and you will be empowered to be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2, they get empowered, and the church in one day goes from 120 people in one day. I mean, in a matter of hours, maybe not even hours, the church goes from one day numerically, 120 to 3,120 in a matter of an, a couple of hours because of the gifts of the Spirit, right? So this is our saving faith. We respond to the gospel and we get saved, right? So this is where you find the thief on the cross. Y'all remember in Luke chapter 23 that Jesus was on the side of both of the thieves and the one thief on the side was like, oh, whatever, making fun of him. And then the other guy was like, yo, shut up. Don't you see what's happening? Lord, remember me in your paradise. Remember me in your kingdom. And at that moment, he is saved. He had saving faith. The Philippian jailer, when he's talking to Paul and Silas, he says, yo, what do I do to be saved? Like something inside of him clicked and he was saved. For many of us in this room, hopefully, if not all of us in this room, I hope it's not all of us in this room, but we've already, we've experienced that. We've had this moment where we had saving faith. And we were like, yo, God is real. I'm a mess and I need God to change me. The reason why I said that I hope that it's not all of us in this room is because I never want to be in a room or in a church where all of us are neat, cut. We know Jesus. We have followed it up. Our, our responsibility, our job is to make sure that we fill this place with people and individuals who don't know God. That's our responsibility. And I want to thank everybody who last Sunday actually started inviting people and started bringing people to the church. And we saw salvations, people that raised their hands. They had a conversation with God and they gave their life to Jesus because you invited somebody. Because somebody came to hear the gospel. So the reason why I say that I hope that it's not everybody in here is because I don't want a nice little clean cut church. I want this church to smell like drugs. I want people that don't know what's the left foot from the right foot. Like we, want to, we want this thing to be an emergency room. I don't want this thing to be a Hilton. I'm not interested in having a church with a bunch of Christians. But that's my own little soapbox. Let me get out of my soapbox. So that's saving faith. And then after saving faith, then you have the gift of faith. And the Philippian jailer, you can go back and read the story in Acts chapter 16. And the thief on the cross, obviously, is in Luke chapter 23. But you have saving faith. And then you have the gift of faith, which is what we're talking about here. Where God does something that man cannot do. It has nothing to do with you. It's everything that God does. And sometimes it's through provision or sometimes it's through protection. But there is faith where you believe and God is the one that he acts. And God is the one that he does things. And it's unlimited in nature. Like, yo, God could do whatever he wants to do. He, he is the God that can, through your faith, he can be able to do anything. And I'm going to show you and I'm going to give you examples of what that looks like. In the Old Testament, Moses, the Bible says he has a staff and that he threw the staff on the ground. In Exodus chapter 7 verse 10 through 12, it says that he threw the staff on the ground. And when he threw the staff on the ground, that it became a cobra and it began to crawl. This was what, this was what it looks like. He had faith. God told him, I want you to do it. And he did it. And God did the miracle. And then the Pharaoh did something where he invented these other little cobras that came around. But Moses is cobra. If you go back and read it in Exodus chapter 7, he actually ate all the other snakes up. And that's the gift of faith. And then not only that, but remember that there were nine different plagues. Those nine different plagues were actually given so that Pharaoh could respond and let the children of Israel go. He didn't respond. And the miracle after miracle ended up happening. We've seen the story. We read it in Acts chapter 7 and through the, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 7 and through the book of Acts. We see it with Elijah when Elijah is hungry in 1 Kings chapter 17 and God sends ravens to be able to deliver food to him. I want you to understand what ravens are. Ravens are scavengers. 
They, they eat anything that they find. So think about how crazy this is for Elijah to believe, but for God to bring through ravens meat that they don't chew in their mouth and eat it, but they actually deliver it to the man of God so that he can, be, so that he can eat. It's a miracle in and of itself that they didn't eat it. The widow and his son, when Elijah went and Elijah goes to them and he's like, God tells him, I want you to go to this land. And he sees the woman. When he sees the woman, she's like, he's like, give me something to eat. She's like, yo, all we have is a little bit of oil and some bread. For me and my son, we're going to make one meal and we're going to die. And he had the faith where he said, I want you to make the meal, but I want you to give me the first one. And the lady did so and her oil did not run out. Those are gifts of faith where he believed them. Last Sunday, we talked about the gift of faith. Yo, could you imagine walking in a fire, bro? Like, I mean, yo, the king. So, I don't know. Who would it be? I guess Biden. Like, in the United States of America. Could you imagine? You're, like, sitting there in front of all the political officials and everybody in the, in the world. And Biden tells you, yo, Kevin, I want you to go in that fire. Bro, I'm not going, first of all. We're going to fight. I'm not going. I don't have. I, I have to have more faith. <laughs> I might have to go, though. But, but to walk in a fire. Like, yo, we're not talking about, like, water, where he's like, yo, it's a fire, bro. The people have brought you, they died, and you're going into the fire. That's called faith. In that fire, the Bible says that Jesus was there. We studied it last Sunday, and here it is. They're standing in the fire, and they weren't even touched. Their bodies, the only thing that was touched on their bodies were the very things that were binding them. They didn't even smell like smoke, and that's the gift of faith. In the New Testament, we see it as well. It was Paul who received the word from the Lord. And then he had faith that the ship in which he was in, which he was going to die, he was on his way to die. You know, the gospel is so life-giving. I feel so energetic today. Amazing. Incredible. Tino, preach to me about prosperity. Tell me about money. Like, that's what I want. Like, don't tell me I'm going to get in a ship and die. You know, Paul goes in a ship to go die, and he tells him, don't leave the ship. If you don't leave the ship, I have faith that nobody's going to lose their life in the middle of a tempest of a storm. And everybody on that ship actually made it and was able to stay alive. He gets on the other side and he's with a fire and a snake bites him in the hand, bro. Like, yo, it just goes from bad to worse. You know what this dude does? This dude, like, shakes it off. He's like, look at the flick of the wrist. He's like, click. He's like, doesn't, even, doesn't even think about it. It's just, it's the gift of faith. It's having the gift of faith. So number one is the gift of faith. Number two is the working of miracles. The working of miracles. We see this when Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, I want you to go and I want you to tarry and wait. And I will give you power from on high. You'll be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, to Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. And the, the word power or the word, the working of miracles, if you break that phrase down, it's energema. Energema, which means energy, and dunamis, which is power. So it's Power or dynamite energy. It's something explosive that happens. Watch this. Uh, it is... Uh it is Lester Summerall who writes in his book, which is one of the books that uh, I, I content, I've taken some of it out and I've included. And he's one of the guys that I have studied the most between him and Howard Carter and Smith Wigglesworth. These three guys, I mean, are some of the most the miracles and the things that they did are absolutely insane. But he writes this. He said, the gifts... The gift of the working of miracles means a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. It is God working through a person, an animal, or some other instrument to do something that cannot be done normally. The gift of faith is that God does something for you. He does something for you. The working of miracles is that God does something through you. He actually does something through you. We see this in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Balaam, he gets told, God tells him, don't go to go curse Israel. But he decides, I'm going to get on a donkey and I'm just going to go see. Like, I'm not going to go curse him. I'm just going to go see. And in, and in Numbers chapter 22, he goes on the donkey and the donkey stops. 
And he hits the donkey and he gets mad and hits the donkey three times. And then the donkey turns around and then the CLV, the uh, Chino Life version, he turns around and he's like, bro, why are you hitting me? Like, bro, have I ever not, like, why are you hitting me? The donkey speaks, bro. Like a full-on donkey, but was like, my brother, why do y'all hit this me? That's in the King James Version. Yo, could you imagine that? Yo, the Bible's so weird, but I love it. All of these things are real. But he's like walking, and a donkey talks to him. Elijah, the Bible says that he takes off his mantle, and he's trying to walk through water. And when, he talk, when he's going to walk through water, he throws the mantle on the ground. And when he turn, throws the mantle on the water, when he puts the mantle, the Bible says that the water split open, and that he's able to walk through, kind of like the miracle that Moses did. It was David who fought lions and bears, and first, in first Samuel, first Samuel chapter 17, he fights these lions and these bears, and it's the, the working of miracles. In Samson's life, we remember him with a jaw of a donkey, he's able to defeat a thousand men, and then at the end of his life, he doesn't have no eyes. He has sinned against God. He has forsaken everything that he's learned. His hair got cut off. He lost everything that he had he's about to die he's strapped in between two pillars and in that moment he says God strengthen me one more time and in a work of miracles he's able to collapse that and the enemy was able to fall under that I think that's a picture for us and one day we're going to spend some time just on Samuel I think we can do an entire series because I don't know how many times you've allowed the enemy to poke your eyes out well you can't see what tomorrow is going to look like well you don't know what you're doing you're just getting up every day and you're going to work but you used to have a vision. You used to have a dream. You wanted to start that ministry. You wanted to start that orphanage. You thought to yourself, I'm going to start this business. But life comes and it pokes your eyes out and takes your vision. And we're going to preach one day about that. I don't want to go there. In the New Testament, we see the working of miracles. The working of miracles where Jesus begins to break the bread and he starts giving the bread to the individuals. And they keep on multiplying to the very end where the miracle I think one of the biggest miracles on it, honestly, is that they have 12 different baskets that are left over. And when you have those 12 different baskets, you think that that's the miracle. And I think it's a miracle. I think that's a huge miracle. But I also think that there's a bigger miracle in there, at least for me. The reason why we have a system in church, the reason why we have a structure in church, the reason why we say, hey, how are we going to do church? Well, number one, we're going to reach and empower all people towards a relationship with Jesus. And how are we going to do that? We're going to help people know God. They're going to find their freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It sounds like an organization, Chino. You're getting too structural and too systematic. The biggest miracle that I see in there is that why did they count 12 baskets? Like somebody was told, I want you to sit there and count one, two, three. And they actually counted 12 baskets. Why? Because it actually mattered to God. It was Jesus himself who not only produced a miracle in the spiritual, but in the systematic, he counted it. You can actually see that he says there were 3,000 people in one instance and then 5,000 people. Yo, you know how annoying it is to count how many people showed up at an event? Who was that guy? Levante, you're in the back. You begin to count everybody who's around here. You're an Alfonso. Like, yo, could you imagine counting 5,000 people? There was no apps, my guy. They didn't have electricity. How do you count those people? You write it on a tablet? But it was important to God. Systems are important. Structure is important to God. The gifts of, of, of working of miracles, one of the ones that we, we trash them all the time, but I don't think I've ever done it, is walking on water. Yo, Peter walked on water. Like, that's a big deal. That's a miracle in and of itself. He sunk. Shut up. Always hating on the man. The man walked on water. I ain't never walked on water. I tried it. You ever tried it? Don't raise your hand because you look weird. I definitely tried it. I got off the boat and I was like, in Jesus' name right now. I've done it at a pool by myself. Father, right now I want to I experience you. And I sunk. Uh, 
<laughs> the gifting of the workings of miracle. And then the last one of the three gifts that I think is, is so vital and so beautiful. And, um, and I think it's just one of my favorite ones is the, the gifts of healings. Now, when you read the gifts of healing, especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, you will notice that it's plural. If you have your Bible and you want to look at it, you'll, you'll notice that it's plural. It's the gifts of healings where it's plural. And this gift, um, though all of the other gifts, working of miracles is unlimited because God is unlimited. Um, the working of faith is unlimited because God is unlimited. The gifts of healings are limited. Here's what I mean by that. I... Uh, I have seen individuals, um, I have seen some people's ear that were completely deaf take out a, a hearing aid and them being able to hear it perfectly. I've seen people be, uh, I was at a church in Los Angeles, Vos Church, uh, with Robert and Liz um, Roca, which, I mean, an incredible church. I was there two weeks ago preaching and a revival has broken out in, in, in um, babe, what's the name of the Fontana? Fontana, California, I think it is. Ontario, Canada, uh, Ontario, Canada, Ontario, California, their church is, I mean, busting at the seams. Um, one individual walked into the church and he had AIDS, he had cancer, and he was living in a homosexual lifestyle. This individual went into the church, um, gave his life to Jesus. I mean, completely rocked by the gospel. He ended up uh, completely changing his life. A week later, Friday, Saturday, I don't remember, of that same Sunday, he calls the pastor and he says, Pastor, I just came from the hospital and they sent me home. And he's thinking to himself, this is stage four cancers. You're going to hospice. Like, you're dead. Um, Jesus, I said that super horrible. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. But stage four cancer, in the eyes of the doctor, you don't have any hope left and you're probably at the end of your rope. And so Robert, Pastor Robert said, well, what happened? Like, and he got distraught because he, they prayed for this individual. They anointed him with oil, and they believed that God was going to heal him. And here this guy calls him. He tells him, he says, are you going to hospice? And he's like, no, no. They actually did all my MRIs and all my scans, and they can't. he had cancer all over his body and all his major organs. They said, we, they cannot find cancer in any of my major organs. The only thing that they can find in my liver, in my liver, is a tooth, like a, a, a fingernail-sized uh, tumor that they're going to be able to cut out and my body will be completely rid of cancer did an AIDS test and the AIDS test came back negative so like I mean if you could do one thing maybe the doctor saw it wrong but bro when you have a triple entendre and God delivers you from it like yo I think I think God is pretty amazing in the way that he does it but then I've also seen people that have laid hands and that it hasn't worked and we've prayed for people that we've seen that had cancer and they died I want you to understand that this gift is limited because if you have all of them and you can heal everybody, then you would be Jesus. But God, what he does, and I think it's important in the way that he does it. If you begin to read and you begin to study the Smith Wigglesworths and the Hagins and you begin to study the Lester Summeralls and the Howard Carters, you would be able to see that each of them are blessed in an area to heal a certain area. Some of them would be hearing, eyesight, some of them wheelchairs, Smith Wigglesworth, several palsy, and epilepsy. Whenever he would see it, he would get excited in a service because he knew that God was about to act because he always had that. I know uh, uh, Ted Shuttlesworth, who is a mentor of mine. I mean, I absolutely love him. This guy is here now like he's alive. The things that I've seen this dude do in front of my face. Like there are areas that God will empower you. But then that's why I think we're the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there are strengths that you have that they're weaknesses for me. 
And there are strengths in me that are weaknesses for you. And I believe that God puts us in a space that when the body of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I read it and I read you the gifts. But then right after I read you the gifts, it begins to tell you the nose can't never say to the eye, why can't you smell me? Or the hand can't say to the mouth, grab that. But that we are the body, we're united, it is us together, that what I can't do, you can do. And that as we move together, we watch the gifts flow in unity and we watch them flow in full power when we do it together. The gifts of the spirit, like I said, the gifts of healings, it's super linked, it's like a chain, all of them are. In the Old Testament, you see it. Abraham, he's scared and he, he sees a king and the king says, yo, what's up, who's that girl with you? And he's like, bro, that's my sister. And it was his wife. My wife is Cuban Puerto Rican. She would have stabbed me in the face. And she would, we all would have died. She'd be like, your sister? I'm your sister now? It would have been a problem. But Sarah was obedient and submissive. And she says, I am his sister. Which she kind of was. She was like a half sister. They were from Alabama. <laughs> she was from Alabama. He was from Mississippi. Stop, Chino. But it was kind of his sister. It was true. But the, the guy gets a dream. The king, he gets a dream. And the Lord tells him, why are you with this woman? You're about to die. You're in your last days. And he's like, I didn't do nothing. I didn't even sleep with her. I didn't even know. Why would you kill me? He's like, well, I'm just giving you a chance. Read the story. I promise you. In Genesis chapter 20, it's the funniest story, but it's not funny. But he tells him, yo. And then the guy says, Abraham, why didn't you tell me this was your wife? Like, you almost brought shame, and not only that, but, like, pure hatred and God's wrath on our entire nation. Why would you not tell me that this is your wife? Not only does he do that, but then God has stopped up the barren wombs of all of the women that were in that city. And Abraham prayed, and you see the gift of healings work, where Abraham prays, and all of a sudden, all the women that were there that were barren were actually able to have to give birth. That's an Abraham story. Miriam, Miriam and Aaron, they were the spokespersons for Moses. Moses didn't do a lot of talking to the children of Israel. Moses would hear from God, and then Miriam and Aaron were the ones that would speak for God. And in Numbers chapter 12, they revolt against Moses. They're like, yo, this guy, first of all, he married a Cushite. He married a woman that's not like us. She's not a Jew. That was racism. She, he married a woman that doesn't look like us. And then they said, doesn't God speak to us too? Like, we don't need him. And God heard them. Moses didn't. And God tells him, yo, I want you to get everybody, all three of you. I want you to meet up at the top of the mountain. Bring all three of them out. And God settles the gossip. And when he settles the gossip, the moment they walk away, Miriam is covered in leprosy. I mean, covered in leprosy at that moment. Be careful what you say in Jesus' name. I got real quiet. <laughs> Moses turns around and says, Father, don't let the children inside of her womb come out with pieces of their body falling out. Please heal her. And immediately she is healed and she goes out of the camp and she has to spend seven days out there, but she's healed. And that's the gifts of healing in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you see it through Jesus. I mean, you can read through every scripture, blind eyes that were opened. And sometimes healing, I want you to understand this. I'm going to throw this and I'm going to explain it in a second. Sometimes healing is something that happens immediately. People came back to life. People received their eyes. And then there's sometimes that it's gradual. Jesus had an individual who he prayed for. When he prayed to him, he said, what do you see? He says, I, I see men as trees. It was still blurry. And he prayed for him on the second time. And then he was able to see clearly. Sometimes it's a process. And I'm going to explain what that means in just a second. But sometimes it just happens in, the spin, in a split second. In the New Testament, you see Peter in Acts chapter 3. He's walking by the temple. And he sees a man that's begging for money. And I preached on this. And he says... 
can you give me money? He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, take. Get up. He holds his hand and he says, walk in the name of Jesus. And this man gets up. A man that was lame from birth, like his leg, he didn't know how to walk. So it's not like he lost his leg. He was in World War III and he had his World War II and had his legs cut off. It was that this man had never walked, but yet he got up, he walked, and he ran, and he jumped. Things that takes you time for you to be learning in therapy. Like this happened to him immediately and super fast because God will bypass systems. But then there's times that it will take a process and something that God will do slowly but surely. As I look at all three of these, the working of the, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, and uh, the gifts of healings. In modern day times, we've seen them. Um, it was in, but a few weeks ago here as a team that we prayed for an individual, which Isaac, which he was here, um, who had a, a, a messed up ankle. And we laid hands on him. And this wasn't five years ago. This was a couple of weeks ago. And, and Carlos, who you see in the drums, and Jason, who you always see up here, were able to lay hands on him. And his, his ankle was immediately healed. And it was something that it happened immediately. And he was able to walk on it. And he just smiling. Big dude. He don't want to cry. So he just smiled and just like, what the heck just happened? And his ankle got healed. But as we look at all three of these, I've seen all three of these work in my life in such a beautiful way. Grown man, and I ain't going to cry because I'm a grown man. But uh, I've shared the story of my daughter and so many new room, new many f- new faces in the room that um, you're going to hear me preach about my daughter to the day that I die. Why? Because my daughter is a miracle, and I'm going to make the devil pay for every tear that we cried, for every time that we walked into a doctor's office and we didn't know what they were going to say to us. I'm going to make him pay with this. My daughter, me and my wife were, and I wish you could come up here and share the details because I always butcher it. But my wife and me were at a doctor's visit with my daughter. And when we were at this doctor's visit with my daughter, um, the nurse tech that was checking her heartbeat got super quiet on us. And all we heard was click, 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 click on the, on the computer. And we were scared. We were like, yo, what the heck is going on? And then she called another um, tech, the main tech. And the main tech went in there and couldn't figure it out. And I don't, I'm, I'm not the guy that stays quiet. Excuse me, sir. Sir, what's going on? Oh, sorry, sir. We're, we're figuring it out. We just, we have a, there's a, there's a problem with the heartbeat. We think that it's the machine. And then they bring the main doctor in. And all three of them are sitting there and they're whispering at this point like, yo, I'm Cuban, bro. I just, my blood is just different. And they finally come up and they talk to us. I'm like, Papo, talk to me. And they finally talk to us and they tell us, well, we don't understand what's going on, but um, your daughter's heartbeat is very, 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 very low, critically low, and we don't understand what's going on. Fast forward that picture to a few weeks later, a few days later, they took us to go do an x-ray and to do some stuff with my daughter. And when they found out with my daughter, uh, my daughter's heart, half of her heart wasn't developing and the other half was extremely swollen and extremely big um, because the blood wasn't pumping. And they told us every worst possible scenario that you can imagine they did mris they checked her um she didn't have a spleen and a child has to have a spleen as adults we could lose it but a spleen is what takes all of the the bad stuff from colds and flus and the spleen is the one that kind of takes all that stuff and 
Uh, and they told us our daughter doesn't have that. So what the heart is doing is that it's trying to pull from that. So half of the heart is struggling to beat and the other half of the heart is, is not good. Um, in worst case scenario, she was so small that they couldn't really figure out what was going on. And they say what can happen and you should be ready for is that all of her organs are going to be inverted. Um, she might even have organs that are outside of her body and there's different things. So you can imagine this was at the very beginning, baby, three months she was in, maybe something like that. So for the next six months, we prayed. <laughs> And we had faith, and we believed, and we continued to. And on July 4th, at 32 weeks, 34 weeks, uh, my daughter was born premature. And my wife had preeclampsia, which uh, means that her blood pressure was really high. And, uh, and the other one, that the diabetes, I don't remember what the diabetes one. Gestational diabetes, she had both of them. And she was at 210 over like 150, her blood pressure, which was wild. They turned the lights off and they gave her some medicine and they say, if it doesn't go down in the next 10 minutes, we need to rush because she can stroke. And all I remember was they gave me a gown and they put it on me and I was like, yo, what is going on? And then two minutes later, I was like standing over her and my wife is having a C-section. I'm like, baby, you're going to be okay. And she just looks at me like, bro, are you going to be okay? <laughs> and uh, my baby came out premature on top of the fact so her heart didn't even get to develop fully and when she came out of there uh she wasn't crying and they were able to work on her and do some stuff and then they took her to a place and the next season of our life was super difficult because they found out that she didn't have a spleen she had three holes in her heart um and then one of the valves in her heart instead of pushing the blood in it brought the blood through the top so she was a disaster and she was premature like all of the stuff wasn't even fully developed yet and all we had was faith. And all we had was a belief that, yo, God, you got to save my baby girl. Please understand, at this point, we have had, uh, I have a 22-year-old, Jesus. Um, and the boys at that time were six or seven. We waited a long time. My wife waited and didn't allow me to wait um, for six years. So she was a miracle child. Like, she was my baby girl. I talked about her. Nunzi was in our youth ministry since she was 12, 13. And you heard me preach about Abby, and she didn't even exist. I was like, one day I'm going to have a daughter. Her name is going to be Abby. I would preach about her, and I didn't even have her, which is crazy. And then here it is. My baby's there, and she's going to die. And all these things are going to get messed up. And, yo, I didn't know what to expect, what to do. And then finally, they were able, over a few months, miraculously, right? I believe through prayer. My daughter, the three holes in her heart closed up on their own. Incredible. I mean, you can't even make this up. The spleen, which was not there, Jolly Rogers or something like that. I forgot what they call them. Hollow Jollies. Um, doctors know what that is. But they, they were not there, so she didn't have a spleen. I don't even know if that's where the spleen is. I just didn't even have a spleen. And for five years, they told me that my daughter had to be on penicillin. So two days out of, two times out of the day, we would give her penicillin, and she would have to drink it every single day of her life. And they told us that she would have to do that for five years. On the second year, or third year, I believe, on the second year, I believe we were at Baker Elementary. How many of y'all were at Baker? Y'all remember at Baker? For the ones that were at Baker Elementary, I remember that we went to the doctor, and the doctor did a check. And when they did the check, the spleen that they said was in little pieces and didn't function had actually come together and she actually has a spleen and it was actually functioning and working. And she would no longer have to be on penicillin. My daughter now 
is Abigail is one of the most craziest people you will ever see in your life. She's probably back there running Allison ragged. My daughter's heart got healed. Her spleen miraculously came back. We saw in the life of my daughter the gift of faith. She is a walking miracle. And we saw the gifts of healing happen in my daughter's life. So I want you to understand. She is a miracle. But it's not isolated to my daughter. That the miracles, the workings of God, that the gifts of the Spirit are available to all of us. Yes, we prayed our butts off. Yes, we fasted. Yes, we laid hands on her. I was down here. Thank God she didn't understand what was happening. But I had oil in the middle of the night sitting there praying for my daughter. Believing God, you fix her heart, Lord God. You fix her spleen, Lord. I don't want my daughter to die. And my daughter's alive and well. I believe that we saw the gift of faith was rising up inside of us. God did something. The miracles. Yo, <laughs> she is a walking miracle she shouldn't be here and the gifts of healing were all over my daughter today she doesn't have half her heart beat half her heart today she doesn't have a missing spleen her 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 organs are not inverted god saved my daughter but i believe that god can do that for you as well i believe that that's not just exclusive to my daughter. Chino, how do we, how does that happen? How do you, how are you healed? There's several ways. There's courses <laughs> that are around this. I, I guarantee you, Jason Peoples can come up here and teach you six weeks of how to be healed because there's so much involved in it. Some people have the gift of healing where they lay hands on somebody. I've shared the story where we were evangelizing in Mardi Gras and it was ratchet and bad and one guy didn't want to talk to me and I said okay don't talk to me let's see if God works and I said can I pray for you do you have something wrong with him and he's like yeah my back and I put my hands on his back and I prayed for him and when I finished praying the dude ran away and I was like okay dang my prayer was that bad or maybe my breath stank I didn't understand so I just kept evangelizing the dude came back and he said what did you do to me and when he said what'd you do to me I put my pivot back like what's happening like I'm saved but I'm not you know what I mean like what's up and he was like, I've had a, I had a neck injury since I was 14 years old. Since I was 12 years old, I've had a neck injury. And now all of a sudden, I could move my neck. I could do the things that I couldn't do. And God miraculously healed them because the gifts of the healings were actually operational. We see it. So sometimes it's laying on of hand. Sometimes there has been healing that has come out of people's voices. Like, Melissa, you have that gift where when you begin to sing, that healing is inside there. And you open up your mouth and you begin to sing and God will produce that healing. I've told Lydia as well as myself have told Inkim that she has that gift inside of her. That when you begin to sing, there's deliverance that happens. That people actually start the things that they're dealing with. It might be a full-on manifestation. Sometimes it's just something inside of them that breaks because of your voice. And sometimes there's singing that happens and that are breaking. And one of the ways that the scripture says that it happens... I'm going to ask the worship team, come on up here. I want you to help me out. Um, and James, and babe, you got, uh, Alfonso, we got oil? Yeah, if we can grab that real quick. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Everybody say, Chino, how do we get healed? Thank you. James chapter 5 is going to be on the screens ahead of me. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. 
Now, I want you to understand, most of what I've been talking to you about is the gift of faith, the working of miracle, and the gifts of healings. Like, these are things that God has empowered the church to be able to do. He's given to each one individually as he sees fit. These are things that are alive and active in our church. These are things that have happened. Historical documentation. But it's also in Acts chapter 2 verse 43 that he says, uh, how do I get saved? What do we got to do? And Peter says to them, believe, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And the promise that Jesus has spoke about in Luke chapter 23 of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and will be inside of you. That's the working of the Holy Spirit for you your children and those that are far off those that are far off is to us it's independent of your pedigree it's independent of the abortion that you had it's independent of the time that you watched pornography that you did drugs that you slept around the adultery when you repent of those things when you come back to jesus when you've given him your heart you've also given him your sins at that moment you are pure before the lord Obviously, there's consecration. There's all these different things. You spend time with God. It's an intimacy. But I want you to understand that these are gifts that God gives you. So it has little to do with who you are and what you did. And so much more to do with a gracious father that loves you. That pours and bestows these gifts on you. So first of all, I want you to understand that you can operate in these gifts. And we're going to continue to study them. Every Wednesday, part of our G groups, every single Wednesday, I'm going to be right here. And we're going to have a prayer G group. And on Wednesdays, I'm going to teach these things and we're going to experience these things. But I felt led of God today that I wanted to take some time to not only talk to you and empower you, but maybe there's somebody in here that you need healing. And maybe you've been praying for God and maybe there's something real. Maybe there's something that you can see that you can't do now. Back pain, leg pain. Maybe there's something inside of you that you're like, hey, Chino, I would love for the church to pray. I'm going to ask the pastors to come up here to the front. We're going to take some time in just a moment. The worship team is going to sing. And man, if that's you in this place and you're saying, Chino, today, I'm going I'm to take some time and think about it real quick. If you need us to pray for you today, we want to pray for you. And we're going to believe that God is going to heal you. But not only do we believe that God's going to heal you, but if I'm honest with you, we can pray for you and you can be healed. I mean, your neck, your head can fall off your neck on the ground. And we can grab it and put it back on your head. <laughs> and then you could die. <laughs> and then we bring you back to life and we can heal you. Here it is, the truth. Without salvation, none of those things matter. Without giving your heart to Jesus, it is appointed for man always, every single time, every human being to die. We're all going to die. The greatest miracle that you can ever be given, the greatest miracle that you can ever receive, if I'm honest with you, is not the gifts of the Spirit. It's the miracle of salvation. It's for you to give your heart to Jesus. So before we pray for you and before we pray for individuals right now to be healed, I want to give a general call. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for just a second? If you're watching online, would you, would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? If that's one of you, if you're in here today and... And maybe you haven't experienced that miracle. Or maybe you've backslidden and you've gotten so far from God that you're like, Chino, I need that healing in my spirit. Can I tell you that God is in the business not of making bad people good. He's in the business, the way that Le Leonard Ravenhill says it, he's in the business of taking dead people and bringing them back to life. If you are dead in your sins, if you can't get out of that thing, today there's freedom. The greatest miracle we can give you is that of salvation. But if that's you in this place, 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, just out of respect for the person who's around you. At the count of three, I'm going to just ask you to slip your hand up. I just want to see who I'm praying for. This is not to embarrass you. This is just a moment between you and God. But if you're in this place and you're saying, Chino, today I need salvation. I need that first main miracle in my life. I need God to save me. At the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up just to see who we're praying for. If you're watching online, I want you to give us a DM and let us know that that's you. But all over this place, at the count of three, if that's you, today, I'm, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. One, two, three. All over this room. Today, today, Jesus is my day. Today, Jesus is my day. Today, Jesus is my day. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody in this room, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. The way that you are saved is through Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. I can help you with the confession, which is prayer. But the faith, it comes from you. The prayer doesn't save you. It's the faith in the God that you're praying to that saves you. Come on, everybody in this room, repeat this prayer with me. Everybody online, say, Father. Come on, everybody in this room, say, Father. Thank you for speaking to me. Lord, I believe that you came, that you lived a sinless life, that you died for my sins. Three days later, you came back to life to offer me life. Lord, I receive it, and I give you my life. I give you my past, I give you my present, and I give you my future. My life, Jesus, belongs to you. Heal my soul, heal my spirit, and heal my body. It's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen and amen.